Hello, my name is Simon Miller from What Culture Wrestling, and you are listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast, and you better keep listening to it. Why? Here's why. You're, You're listening, listening to, to the Podmania, Podmania Pro, Pro Wrestling, Wrestling Podcast, Podcast, a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we can produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and all other podcast platforms. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at podmania.co.uk. Let's do this. to episode 138 of the Pod Mania podcast. I'm your host, Rob Gordon, and the band is back together. I'm joined by the whole crew, Garth and Chris. How are you guys? I'm on the long and winding road towards the grave, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) I'm quite good, actually. I'm fine. Yeah, I was just going to say... Do you want to elaborate for the listeners, Chris, or is it just your general well, demeanour? Well, I made between the clock out of ten peas, and he didn't sound too impressed. And I'm pondering whether or not life is worth living. What? Because your tweeny clock is shit. My tweeny clock's really good. You haven't seen it. Send a what picture of it to the WhatsApp group. <laughs> I will. What the fuck is a tweeny? You've never seen betweenies. It's amazing. You should watch it on mescaline. Don't watch it. Garth, it's it's like it's like Teletubbies on meth. Don't don't. That's why it's amazing. I'm sure my age now. <laughs> you really are. Once again. again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, ladies and gentlemen, today's podcast is another list podcast. Garth has done his top ten, and Chris has done his top ten. So today is my opportunity to show you why they're both wrong, and <laughs> even though lists are subjective. All right. It is completely my list that is correct and not theirs. Uh, I am just going to quickly say that having listened to both their lists, which I wasn't part of, um, I... You have... better go. Was I part of your list, Garth? Yeah? Was I part of your list? No. Not as in was I... I, d- I don't mean was I on your list. <laughs> <laughs> not am I one of your top ten favourite wrestlers. You were definitely there. Was I definitely there? Yeah. Mm, okay. You. How is that a tweeny clock? <laughs> there's, there's a button in the middle, and then the thing around, around that when you press it, you know what time of the day it is. Is it play time? Is it book time? Is it outside time? Who knows? Let's find out. This is going to be where we find the average age of our listeners. Because you'll have those that group of people that go, oh, the tweenies, you know, retro. And there'll be some that are just going, like Garth, going... What the actual fuck is this? This person fucking eject. Yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah. How do you not on know? On the what... fucking tape player. <laughs> Tweenies was on VHS. I had Tweenies VHS tapes. Just because it was on VHS does not mean Garth would watch it. I mean, it's, every time Garth talks about movies and TV, it sounds like he's watched everything that's on VHS. <laughs> Completed VHS. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Oh my god, this podcast is going to be so long. (laughs) Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, um, I'm just going to quickly whip through my top ten, basically. And I was excited about it, and then 
the intro to this podcast happened and I'm suddenly not as excited as I was. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There is going to be some double up um, between all of our lists. I know there is at least two people that have been on one or more of our lists. So uh, anyway, doesn't matter. Let's start with number 10 then, guys. Are you ready? Number 10. Are you ready to tell me why I'm wrong or a smart? Is it Ty Dillinger? Is it Ty Dillinger? The temptation to put Ty Dillinger on as number 10 is unreal, but it isn't, we need, no. We need to do a list where we do that one day. <laughs> Just the smarky list. <laughs> um. Anyway, number 10 is The Undertaker. Um. The reason it's The Undertaker is because the man is just wrestling. Since I've been watching wrestling, he has been the pinnacle of the WWE. Now, WWE is the company that I am most familiar with when it comes to wrestling. It's the company that I've watched for the longest. I didn't start watching New Japan until 2018, 2017. And Impact, I didn't start watching until after that even. So to be the height and the pinnacle of, you know, everything in that company, just it, he's such a mysterious character and he's just such a campy, over-the-top character, and he just makes it work. I mean, for goodness sake, he's a zombie. He's effectively <laughs> a, a well-dressed zombie, and he's made this gimmick... Well. He's made this gimmick work since 1990. He had that weird blip with the biker-taker thing, which even that was cool. But was then... Right. Yeah, it was. I genuinely quite enjoyed the biker-taker thing. You've done it now! You've gonna <laughs> made a big mistake. Um, And then you know, transitioning back into the Deadman thing and having some of his best matches in that second run. Mm. And this is without even talking about his WrestleMania run, where he's had just match of the decade contenders against Shawn Michaels, both matches against Shawn Michaels, the match against Edge, the match against CM Punk, that amazing Hell in a Cell match with Triple H with Shawn Michaels as a special guest referee. The Batista match. The Batista match, exactly. This man has pulled out classic matches. And if if I'm being perfectly honest, he would be higher on the list if they just knew when to stop it. I was just going to say, like, Wood has continued basically trolling him out every time. Has that not hurt his legacy a bit? He's the Phil Collins of... Um, yeah, no, I agree with you. I completely agree with both of you. I mean, since the perfect time to sort of retire The Undertaker would have been WrestleMania 30. You know, because after the streak, they were never going to put the title back on, ever. So, end it there. The last thing The Undertaker had was the streak. They then had the second um, one. Um, Perfect retirement when Roman beaten and I was like had tears in my fucking eyes thinking I'd never see Undertaker again and then he's back but the matches he's had have not been good the match against Goldberg, the match with Kane against DX in Saudi Arabia, the the Wrestlemania match with John Cena which was effectively a squash and was just completely pointless I remember and this is going to sound ridiculous now but I remember when I very first got back into wrestling in about 2015-16. And Adam Blompier from What Culture did a video on why, how you could do The Undertaker's retirement and how The Undertaker's retirement was going to be the biggest thing in wrestling. And it should have been. It should have been 
what Ric Flair's retirement was, but bigger because this man has been with the company through thick and thin. And what have they done? Well, they did. To be fair, I mean, the fact that he's pretty much sold full WrestleManias on his own for five years in a row or something in that latter period, but they did the whole leave his coat in the ring thing, and that was fucking perfect. It was, 100%. Leave it. But, I don't know. I still think my idea for his retirement would be better. What's your idea? Just have him and him and Kane have one final blowout, buried alive casket match, where the Undertaker gets basically buried, but then Kane goes down into the ground with him, and then they're both gone, done. <laughs> Double retirement. And then you hear Paul Paul Bearer's laugh over the like as a ghost. <laughs> I quite like that. I'm not gonna lie. I was just gonna say Taichi should beat him because what higher <laughs> honor is that? Um, so what? Like he's one of those people where like if you go into wrestling in the past thirty years, you have a memory of him. Like if you went into wrestling and Gaff did, you remember like with the tie when Rob did. I assume it's like Attitude Era and Ministry Taker. Yeah. And then with me, you had like 2007. This is my yard, world heavyweight, big gold belt taker. Mm-hmm. And if you're like, and if you're like the current generation of wrestling fans, she saw an old man who should really have died by now and probably disappointed <laughs> cool on a nightly basis. But he, he's great, isn't he? Yeah. He is. And we, we focused a bit too much, really, on is you know the shit after WrestleMania 33, but the fact that he was putting on. Such in-ring classics with, and yeah, sure, you can argue that it was Shawn Michaels, but to do it with Edge, to do it with Batista, to do it with Triple H, to do it with all these people, and to have it be often the most anticipated match on a oh, WrestleMania yeah. card. That I mean, and to have to go from 1990 all the way through to 2019 and still be that icon. It's incredible. Really is incredible. Yeah. And to be perfectly honest, I think he, he just he needed to be on this list because he was such a big part of my wrestling past. And yeah. you were right, Garth. Like you, you mentioned you mentioned Undertaker to people who don't watch wrestling. They know the name Undertaker. Oh, definitely. In the same yeah. way that you would know Stone Cold Steve Austin or The Rock. But yeah. Anyway, yeah. number ten, The Undertaker. Number nine, ironically, a man that Undertaker beat at WrestleMania, um, is Edge, the radar superstar. Um, the man had to be on this list because he's cool as balls. He had a live sex celebration, which makes him cooler than you. Um, I mean, he took a very, very, let's face it, mundane move set and made himself one of the top stars in the company. I mean, he debuted with the Brood well, just before the brood, really. Would anyone think that's a future world champion? His feud with John Cena is absolutely incredible. His feud with The I Undertaker. Know, 50 matches. I know. <laughs> His feud that feud with... seemed to go on for about 10 years. It really did. It was it was like a prelude to Cena versus Orton. Just mm. kept going. That's but great. Edge is so charismatic. He could pull it off. He was just that good. Um, I mean, his match with Mick Foley at <coughs> WrestleMania 22, am I right in saying? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's fucking lunacy, just incredible. And probably great match, man. It really was. And then to go to be just the most hated man for a time in WWE after the incident with Lita and Matt Hardy and basically becoming a cuckold, just to take that heat and run with it and create this ultimate opportunist gimmick. The man's cool as shit. He really (laughs) is. We don't call people cucked enough on this podcast. <laughs> we don't. We, <laughs> we the don't. The fact he could um, he could work as a fan favorite and as a properly hated heel, not a cool heel, a properly hated heel. So I need There's not many people did that. No. I need to spin it on a dime. And also, like what we haven't quite mentioned, is that he's legitimately hilarious. Oh yeah, fucking totally. Yeah. Like um, the kazoo shit. <laughs> <laughs> Just like when we're doing it in Triple H's locker room, and he's just like, "Stop that! Get out!" <laughs> I mean, the money in the bank stuff. He made that. He made the money in the bank mean something. That cash in at New Year's Revolution was was iconic. It was totally it amazing. was one of the best cash ins. Just it was because... one of those like jaw dropping moments where you're like, "Oh shit, he's actually gonna yeah." And just oh, and it came out with Mr. Like, McMahon. Also... It was incredible. It was that that cashew was one of those things. Went, oh, so that's what you do with it, sort of thing, like like a light bulb thing. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah I knew nothing about like Edge was the first cashew I had, but it was uh, um, it was on Undertaker. And I remember walking into school one day because I couldn't get SmackDown, and someone was like, "Edge was champion." I'm like, "Whoa, you mean that really fucking cute guy in the long leather coat, world champion?" They're like, "Yeah." I'm like, "How did we do it?" I'm like, "Well, Mark Henry helped him." I'm like, "Of course, of course, Mark Henry." <laughs> The guy with the ma- like, I love Edge's entrance music. Everything but, about him was just fucking great. Being fair, he managed to survive from that god awful Rob Zombie song. He did, yeah. um, but he was also part of one of the greatest tag teams in WWF. Oh yeah, I mean that <laughs> they call it the golden age of tag teams, don't they? With the Hardy Boys, the Dudley Boys, and Edge and Christian, and mm-hmm. oh, Edge and Hulk Hogan. Say again. I thought you were talking about Edge and Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Golden Age Hogan. Um, but just the everything he did was fucking great. The five-second poses, just amazing. Oh, brilliant. Just all of that stuff, just the goofy shit. Like, that was one of the things to to tune in and watch, was that. See what two stupid shit we're going to do with those giant hats and the duff glasses and all that stuff. <laughs> and then his stuff with Vicky Guerrero as well. Just brilliant. Uh, that grossed me out. As I was eleven at the time, that grossed me it, out. It did, but it was amazing. The way the way it was it was so blatant, and she was totally blind to it because obviously this fucking hot dude was like all over her, and it, it sort of catapulted her career. It did, really. Yeah. Cold edge. I used to get cold edge in school because I had the long messy hair. <laughs> did you used to like crawl around as well when you went in the classroom? <laughs> <laughs> Just stick my tongue out. I, I, I just go in on my stomach and then hump the floor. Just, <laughs> I was a public menace. What can I, I tell totally you? Totally, so you were in like a black leather trench coat. Like. I, did, I, did ha- I did have one. I, I fucking knew it. <laughs> but it wasn't a trench coat. It was more like a, just a leather jacket, but it was too big for me. So it was <laughs> basically a trench coat. I mean, no offence meant at all, Chris, but I can't think of a wrestler you look less like than Edge. You can't think of a wrestler and look less like. You look more like Hulk Hogan than you do Edge. 
I don't know. Like, what the fuck? That's not true. Come on. <laughs> you look more like Charlotte Flair than you do. Bloody Edge. More like Mark Henry. It's just for fucking rocks. Sorry. I'm trying to think of the most obscure. Coming from fucking and six foot one Mark Andrews. Speaking of Mark Henry, number eight. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Mark Henry isn't on this list. I mean, probably the best. Uh... Why? Why would he be on this list? I mean, for God's sake, the man couldn't wrestle. Um, ironically, one of Undertaker's least good WrestleMania matches. That and King Kong Bundy and Giant Gonzalez. <laughs> um, anyway, number eight, and this is someone. I know was on Garth's list. I can't remember if it was on Chris's list. I think it was. Uh, but number eight is the Olympic gold medalist, Kurt Angle. Oh, yeah. Angle was on oh, yeah. He's just... <laughs> to transition, I mean, that year he had from 1999 through to 2000 is still lauded now as the best rookie year in professional wrestling. I mean... Right. Fine, absolutely fine. He was an Olympic gold medalist, and he did it with a broken freaking neck. Don't know if anyone ever doubted that. But And then he went on to just, just in the WWE for the minute, put on some of the greatest matches. But before that, he just his completely clueless heel persona when he first came in, when he tried to be loved and just wasn't by the crowd and just fully embraced that heel nature, was absolutely brilliant. And he became just this... He was the wrestler. He was the one who put on the great matches. And then you look at that early noughties, Ruthless Aggression era, and the SmackDown 6, he was such an incredibly pivotal part of that, his matches with Brock Lesnar, that Iron Man match with Brock Lesnar on SmackDown, their rematch when he was, he'd got, basically, he was should have been paralysed at WrestleMania 19, but wasn't, and decided, you know what, I'm going to wrestle, despite the fact that my neck is fucked, and put on an absolute clinic. Um, <laughs> just everything he seemed to do, his match at WrestleMania 17 with Chris Benoit, his match at 21 with Michaels, just the one with um, Shane. Just fucking brutal. The one with Shane, that match, even. King of the match. Ring, yeah. When he tried to suplex him through the glass and he bought the wrong yeah. glass. <laughs> and he just bounced off it and everyone went, well, he did. Um, but, I, I, oh. but then, obviously, mm. taking all, you know, the, the pills and everything aside for a second, he then went on to TNA and basically had that company on his shoulders completely. And this was a side of Kurt Angle that I didn't know about. Well, I knew about, but hadn't watched until I started this podcast. And then to watch him in the ring with the likes of Samoa Joe with Kurt Angle, uh, sorry, Kurt Angle with AJ Styles even, um, and characters like that, just amazing, just absolutely, just an incredible, incredible wrestler. It was an amazing story. Um, of back in 2000, um, no, 2001, on the lead up to WrestleMania 9, uh, 17, he was the champion, but he was going to drop it to Barack. Triple H was complaining to have it be dropped to him because, you know, that's what Triple H does. 
and um, he was laughing backstage with a lot of with a lot of his buddies going, "Ah, uh-huh, isn't Kurt just too small?" And Pat Patterson just went up to him and went, um, "Why didn't you ask Kurt for a legitimate fight?" And then Triple H never brought it up again. There's there's loads of stories. For example, there's the Eddie Guerrero story where a match on SmackDown went a bit awry. And Eddie got hot up, went backstage and basically tried to start a fight with Kurt Angle. And Kurt Angle just apparently gently put him in a front face lock and <laughs> gently lowered him to the floor. And, Calm down. Yeah. Calm down. And Bruce Pritchard <laughs> apparently just <laughs> went up to Eddie afterwards and said, look, wh- why would you pick a fight with Kurt Angle of all people? And apparently Eddie just sat there and went, I know, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like in Age of Ultron when um, Hulk and Iron Man are having a fight and it's like, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. <laughs> He's a submission master. And, you know, one of the greatest matches I've seen Kurt Angle have is a lockdown with Samoa Joe. Yeah. Just that just cool, cynical bastard. Just amazing. And Garth, I know you actually know a lot more about his running TNA than I do. And you could probably highlight a lot more matches. The whole build, the whole for his like sort of his debut, and then the debut and the, the feuds that he had with Samoa Joe and AJ, just class, just just and it was like honestly, other than like maybe the odd match when he was injured, and when he lost a lot of weight and stuff, and he couldn't because he was so injured, he couldn't even pick people up properly. Even through all that, he was still having good matches. And it just showed you how good technically he was that he could overcome the injuries and stuff to, to still work a match. Just, uh, just, just one of the greats. He's one of those wrestlers that could quite legitimately <clears throat> pull out a, an outstanding match out of anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched I'd recently... Love to, I'd love to... Like, he's one of those people... He's one of the few people who you would have legitimately like dozens of dream matches. You would have Flair in his prime, Brett in his prime, Owen in his prime... Michael's in their prime. All these people against Kurt Angle would be all five-star, six-star yeah, matches. Was, he was against Michael's in his prime. Michael's prime was definitely in the latter half of his career. So, And we had two of them, and we were both great. Oh, my God. talk about like Michael's, though, in his sort of mid-90s sort yeah, of prime. It would be, it would be shit, because Michael's in mid-90s, when Michael's a Darien. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, true. Uh, uh, go on, Chris. What were you going to say? He's the first, like, wrestler came across who was, like, a wrestler wrestler because I came into WWE in 2007, you know, when Cena's on top and Batista's on top and there's also, like, entertainers. And then, like, I went to TNA because so, TNA in school was, like, the place where Kurt Angle was. It was, like, that's all it was. And we went... Um, so we went to watch it and I fucking shit my pants. Jesus Christ. Like... It's unfortunate. <laughs> It's <laughs> happened about it. Um, you don't see, you don't see, you didn't see shit like that. And just, he's a massive part into ha- what I enjoy in wrestling, sort of like the almost like an actual fight nature of it. Because, like, he made it seem legitimate. Like, well, at the same time, like, even in TNA, he did goofy shit. Like, there was a bit where Karen was cheating on him, you know, at imitating life and all that. <laughs> and, um, he, JB found out and went to tell him and then he was like wait she's cheating on me does he have gold medals reason <laughs> <laughs> Kurt Angle could think his wife would cheat on him is that if she had more gold medals than him amazing amazing he's he's just he is outstanding and it's again similar to the undertaker it's a shame that he didn't just 
retire when he could, as opposed to being while well, he was embarrassed while being general manager, and then he had that absolute shocker against Baron Corbin. And again, of all the people to retire Kurt Angle, you know, he's made it very publicly clear that Baron Corbin wasn't the person he wanted to retire him. But Vince said, no, you're in an angle with Baron. Baron is retiring you. And Kurt Angle did the job, which shows what a consummate professional he is. It's just a shame because, you know, you look at John Cena, the person who, you know, Angle basically made, and then what a way to come full circle. But it wasn't meant to be, and we never got that match again, which is a shame. But Kurt Angle, what a legend, what a competitor, and what a career he had. What an absolutely amazing career. Because considering it was his second career after winning gold medals at amateur wrestling, it's fairly impressive. Let's be perfectly honest. Uh, Kurt Angle, number eight. Number seven, he's just come back to New Japan. It's Hiromu Takahashi. Oh, my God. This guy. I mean, I've been watching New Japan since Wrestle Kingdom 11, and Hiromu is one of those people that instantly caught my eye from his ridiculous, ridiculous moveset to just his colourful antics. He is a lightning rod in in New Japan. Because New Japan doesn't rely heavily on, you know, massive gimmicks, except for Evil and Taichi, obviously, and, you know, doesn't rely on pomp and circumstance. Hiromu just stands out, and his just the matches he's had, just from the short time that I've been watching, his match against Osprey at Dominion 2018 is an absolute banger. His match last year in Best of the Super Juniors 25, that final with Taiji Shimori, where he takes a back body bump, okay, a back bump on the fucking stairs and rolls down the steps in the stand at Corican Hall is just fucking lunacy. But again, it was an incredible match. It was my match of the year last year. And then to have, to come back from an injury where we thought he was basically dead, to come back from that and to hear the pop he got at Power Struggle when he finally came back 18 months after this injury just is amazing. And even though we are having this unprecedented tournament at Wrestle Kingdom 14, the thing I am most looking forward to is Osprey, who is Wrestler of the Year 2019, against Hiromu because this man is absolutely incredible. He draws the eye no matter what he's doing, no matter where he is. I love him. I, he is one of my favourite wrestlers, if not my favourite wrestler in New Japan. What a fucking guy, Chris. Uh, it's not like he didn't go to Gatha. Um, the... Okay, so you started watching New Japan in West Kingdom 11, didn't you? Uh, his match against Kushida, yeah. Yeah, you've basically seen his career worth talking about. Um... Because he was on excursion not long before then. But yeah, he's fucking... Oh, Jesus Christ. I, I'm scared every time I see him. Like, the fact that he came back um, last week and just bumped. Like, he gave... He bumped everywhere. Like, Gaff, we can't stress this enough. He wasn't been made to bump. He bumped himself. <laughs> like, like, imagine if Ric Flair was on fucking cocaine. Okay, that's a bad example. What do you mean, imagine? Um, <laughs> Shouldn't take imagine, a lot of imagination. Imagine if Ric Flair was on cocaine and also had a firecracker stuck off his ass. That's kind of like what it was. Like it was, was giving himself like a buckle bomb, threw himself into like every barricade, every barricade. 
and then just sort of went on his like head in a weird way why um head fo- um crab thing and went Mike please <laughs> and Will Osprey who just went through this match had to hold up the microphone to him he's just he's absolutely ridiculous there is this w- <laughs> there is this wonderful press conference before Dominion 2018 where <laughs> Will Ospreay is talking about the moves that he's going to use on Hiromu. And Hiromu just turns around and goes, yeah, well, I've got a brand new submission finisher. It's called the D. And Ospreay just goes, it's called the what? The D. You do realise that's a that's that's a name for a penis, don't you? And Hiromu's reaction is absolutely amazing. He just goes, oh, no. I, I did not realise this. I can't put people in my D. That sounds awful. <laughs> and just this press conference is absolutely... Osprey cannot control his laughter. Hiromu just completely straight face, just, this is a bad day. This is such a bad day. There's a press conference where he brings fried chicken for one of his opponents. Just And then this whole thing with a fucking stuffed cat. The, he's just, I've he's, seen that everywhere. And like, I don't really see much of this stuff, but I have seen that everywhere. It's, oh, damn. It's just amazing, and this guy—he's just so different to everything else, and he's so. Such... He, def- he definitely stands out in that promotion. Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, Garth, it's... me and you watched, me and you reviewed Wrestle Kingdom twelve, and this was before Chris was part of um, mm-hmm. Podmania, the good old days as we like to refer to him when he's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, Chris. Obviously, I'm not joking, Garth. Um, <laughs> but we reviewed Wrestle Kingdom twelve, and that that four way. For the junior heavyweight championship with him, um, Osprey, Skrull, and Kushida, just yeah. it was, and he, him especially when he got all four competitors on all four sides of the ring, and he just ran <laughs> and sunset flip power bombed them all off the, and just it's such a ridiculously fast. It's impossible not to love him. It's impossible it, not to be drawn it's to a shame him. That, it's a shame he got injured when he did as well because he kind of sort of picked up the Nakamura sort of mantle yeah. of like this sort of rock star, superstar, just out there character. And then he got this fucking, was it like this bad neck injury? Right, so like, what happened? Was um, that like just after um, do you know Shibata the f- was injured as well? Do you, know, do you know what the Phoenix driver is? Yeah. Right, so it was that, but done by driver. Was that the one under one ape? Was under the apron? No, 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 no. Right, so, like, basically, you go into a powerbomb position, get cradled, and then you get, like, um, thrown back. So, like, you're backwards, like, uh, like, overhead, sort of. Yeah, I think it's also called the Steen Elizer, because I think Kevin Steen used it, and it's disgusting, and really should be used by someone, by Dragon Lee, who's even shorter than Gath. And, like, he's really short. He's, like, five foot five. He shouldn't (laughs) be using that move. And, like, Hiromu just broke his neck on impact, because of course he fucking did. Because I remember when I first heard about it, I'm like, well, this was inevitable. We know what Hiromu's like, and it's not his fault at all. It's 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 a no, really no, sombering injury. It yeah. wasn't it wasn't right after Shibata. It was about a year and a half after Shibata. Was it? Yeah. Because that was when everyone was saying, look, it's getting ridiculous now, blah, blah, blah. But to be fair, with, in Shibata's case, it, that isn't New Japan style. That's just how Shibata is. And in Hiromi's case, that's a freak accident. It could literally happen to anyone. Yeah. Like, other, other criticisms put against New Japan are done by people who don't fucking watch New Japan. 
Because if you watch New Japan, you'd know that half the time um, they have less horrific injuries than WWE. And when they do, it's not to do with style. It's usually something really stupid, like Toa Hanare hurting his shoulder. Or Yoshihashi running into the ramp and breaking his jaw, or whatever he did. <laughs> to be completely fair, he fucking deserved it. It's just, oh my god. I mean, Garth, are you going to watch Wrestle Kingdom 14? Um, I'll, I'll try. I haven't the last few I have the last few years, so... Let's try this again. Point's gun at Gaff. Are you going to watch Wrestle Kingdom 14? <laughs> Garth, it wasn't a question. You won't... <laughs> no, in, in all seriousness, what I was going to say was if you if you don't have time, just watch that match. I mean, all the Liger yeah. stuff aside, which is going to be, you know, tear-jerking and everything in like mo- that. In the words of Vinnie Jones. In the, in the words of Vinnie Jones. Um... Just go out of your way to watch the Takahashi Osprey match because the year Osprey has had and the fact that Hiromu has been basically bottled up for 18 months, it's just going to be fucking carnage. It's going to be great. I imagine Hiromu's been like shaking like a tweaker for the last six months or so. 100%. 100%. He's been ready for months, hasn't he? I think he's the reason so so much bad Boris Johnson got into power. He shook so hard he went into an alternate universe. It's. (laughs) As like, have you ever read Flashpoint? It's kind of like that. Yeah, Doctor Strange style in Avengers, where he just shook and shook and shook, and he was looking at all the different possibilities. Yeah, well, kind of, except Flash actually moves people. I 